From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shep, budget and appropriations reporter. And next week, uh, we in Budget World are pretty excited because the Biden administration says it's going to f- give us finally a glimpse of its budget request for the upcoming fiscal year. It's fiscal 2022 for those keeping score at home. Uh, we are going to get some kind of document. We're not quite sure what. Uh, This is usually called a skinny budget, the skinny version of the big budget that'll come out later this spring, but the administration doesn't even want to call it that, so it might be a little bit uh, smaller than that. It might just be some sort of outline of of, uh, the top-line numbers in their budget request in discretionary spending, but it would give us the first look we've had at what they're actually thinking of for the coming fiscal year, and it will kick off the appropriations process and let Congress start going to work on on drafting the annual spending bills. Pretty exciting time, Jen. One of the reasons that the Biden administration is releasing uh, sort of spending proposals for the various departments and agencies that make up the discretionary portion of the federal budget is so that annual budget and appropriations process can get going. It does usually take a, you know, a few months for the dozen appropriations subcommittees in the House and the dozen appropriations subcommittees in the Senate to bring up the various cabinet secretaries and agency heads to testify about their upcoming budget request and for those subcommittees to really sort of question uh, Biden administration officials on how their agencies have been spending money in the past. Um, And, you know, you can get a really good indication from these hearings, uh, particularly with unified democratic control of government now, about what some of the big spending priorities are going to be in the upcoming budget and appropriations process and whether or not uh, Republicans who ultimately will need to sign off on final spending bills are supportive of some of the Biden administration's proposals or really opposed to some of the Biden administration's proposals. Um, And you can kind of get some hints, too, along the way about what bills are really going to run into um, obstacles down the road during floor debate and conference And so once that process gets going, it really gives the public um, and lawmakers and really anyone who is interested in government spending a really good look at what the rest of the year is going to look like in terms of those appropriations bills. And so when this thing comes out next week, um, in terms of what we're going to see, Jan, I think the administration has said they're not going to put in here any of the mandatory spending programs or any of their tax policies that they hope to achieve. Um, This is going to be strictly limited to discretionary spending. What's interesting to me is we really don't have a feel for how big even their regular discretionary spending requests will be because this is the first year in a decade that we haven't had spending limits in place, any kind of budget agreement in place, uh, to dictate an overall cap on discretionary spending. Um, You might remember, if you you follow this stuff, that 
this year's discretionary spending total was about $1.4 trillion, half of which goes to defense. Uh, but for the coming year, we're sort of flying blind right now. There's there's nothing in place to say what that cap is going to be. Um, and so we don't know what to expect in terms of how big the Biden folks are thinking. They could come up with a huge discretionary spending increase or not. Uh, we just don't know right now. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, dynamics at play right now. Uh, the pandemic is continuing and we're going to see a proposal from the Biden administration, a separate proposal next week that could, will likely include trillions in funding for infrastructure initiatives. And that is going to be separate from this budget request. And so we know there's going to be a lot of moving pieces on government funding initiatives in the next few months. Um, so some of those, as well as the roughly $5.5 trillion the government spent uh, throughout the past year to address the coronavirus pandemic is probably going to put at least a little bit of a, a stop sort of on any massive increases in discretionary spending for the upcoming fiscal year. I would personally be very surprised if the Biden administration said, you know, we'd like to go from $1.4 trillion in discretionary spending to $2 trillion in discretionary spending. I definitely don't expect to see uh, an increase that substantial, especially with the other initiatives that they expect to be moving um, kind of separately from the annual budget and appropriations process in terms of infrastructure and climate change and, um, you know, other legislative priorities that we've heard the Biden administration want to advance in the upcoming few months. Yeah, that's the other thing about this year is that this discretionary spending request of a new administration typically is the star attraction uh, that outlines their priorities. But this budget request actually could could easily become a sideshow to the $3 trillion or $4 trillion package that we know is also coming, possibly in broad outlines next week, for their infrastructure and education initiatives and, and income disparity initiatives, the big stuff they really want to do. Uh, which may also require tax increases, all of that stuff is going to really consume congressional attention um, much more than this this discretionary request for the just to fund government for the coming fiscal year. Um, at some point it, it's it, it sort of all jumbles together, but um, in a way the the real all the realize are going to be on the <laughs> the big infrastructure package. But let's talk a little bit, Jen, about this discretionary spending request here. Uh, roughly $1.4 trillion, but it may go up or down. Um, we know some of, the, some of the partisan flashpoints that already are going to be in play this year. Talk about a few of those. Yeah, these are things that Democrats and Republicans have been talking about since last year's budget and appropriations process. And... Um, one of them, the Hyde Amendment, that annual uh, funding restriction on abortion services with federal dollars, with limited exceptions for rape, incest, or the woman's life, that is something that we heard from uh, Democrats last year, including House Appropriations Chairwoman Rosa DeLauro. 
that they were going to be removing from one of the annual funding bills this year. And we very much expect Democrats in the House to move forward with that removal. This is going to be one of the really big overarching fights in the fiscal year 2022 appropriations process. We know the vast majority of um, Senate Democrats uh, have concerns about the Hyde Amendment's ongoing inclusion in government funding measures as well. Um, the Senate Appropriations uh, Labor HHS and Education Subcommittee Chairwoman Patty Murray, um, she signed on to legislation that was released this week that would eliminate that Hyde Amendment. And so she is definitely supportive of getting rid of that. But whether or not there's enough support in, you know, just even in the Senate Appropriations Committee, um, which is evenly divided between Democrats and Republicans and includes West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, remains to be seen. Um, and so really one of the big questions around what happens ultimately with the Hyde Amendment is going to be worked out during the conference process in, you know, much later this year. Yeah, so another partisan showdown over abortion policy never helps the appropriations process because that's always a that's always a barrier to get through. And then, of course, another big battle, different presidents, same issue, is immigration policy. Um, you know, you'd sort of thought, I, I was sort of thinking that maybe with a new president, the whole border wall battle and everything goes away and immigration won't be such a huge issue. But it looks like it will be again. And because, you know, Biden came in freezing the border wall construction money that was appropriated. And so Republicans are already up in arms over that. They've asked for a government accountability office investigation as to whether Biden broke budget law by freezing those funds. And so you're going to have, it seems to me, another nasty showdown over immigration policy as Republicans push for more border security um, and Democrats uh, are, are less eager to do that and want to want to improve some border facilities and such, but are going to be less eager than Republicans to, to uh, in any way kind of finish border barriers. Uh, that's just going to be another contested fight, just as it was under Trump, it seems like. Yeah, I think concerns about border security issues and immigration issues um, and to a certain degree, uh, you know, foreign aid uh, debates are really going to be playing out predominantly in the Homeland Security and State Foreign Ops subcommittees on the appropriations panels uh, with respect to spending policy. Um, this is something that Democrats in the House and the Senate particularly on the first version of these bills, are going to really struggle with. This is something we've seen in the past two years. Um, the Homeland Security Spending Bill has been held back from the House floor uh, both years over concerns from progressive Democrats and moderate Democrats on how language related to immigrations and customs enforcement and customs and border protection and spending levels for those two agencies uh, was addressed in the Homeland Security spending bill. And I think there's a bit of a broader conversation now that the Biden administration is in office about you know, how to address the economic and political and to a certain degree social st structures 
within these Central American and some South American countries that lead people to migrate up to the U.S.-Mexico border. Um, you know, these, these are widely reported on issues. They are not new issues. They have to deal with safety um, and, you know, people just being able to find jobs to support themselves and their families. And so I think in addition to debate on the Homeland Security spending bill about, you know, actual border security, I think there's also going to be a much broader debate, more likely on the state and foreign ops spending bill, about how you funnel foreign aid dollars to these you know, countries to address the kind of on the ground issues that lead to people, um, you know, leaving in the masses to try to search out better lives in America. And I think one of the really big, complicated issues to solve there is there's a lot of concerns from the Biden administration, um, foreign aid groups in, in country, and then um, lawmakers on the Hill about various corruption concerns within those uh, some of those Central American and South American governments. And so, you know, even if you get broad bipartisan consensus about giving aid to those countries, there is kind of some concern about how you essentially get around certain corrupt governments to actually get that aid to the people who need it or to try to address, you know, socioeconomic and political issues that stem from a corrupt government. So that's another big battle. And then, of course, the biggest single appropriations bill every year is defense. It amounts to about $700 billion. And unlike when Republicans were in control and we were always talking about how big the defense budget is going to be and how much it's going to increase, it uh, seems to me the battle this year will be whether, to, uh, whether it's going to be cut or not. Obviously, you're going to have, with Democrats in control now, you're going to have pressure from the progressive wing that's eager to cut defense spending. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure the Biden administration wants to go that far, but maybe we're talking more level funding as opposed to a big increase, right? Right. I think there's going to be a lot of emphasis from progressive Democrats in the House and Senate, and likely Senate Budget Chairman Bernie Sanders to try to reduce defense discretionary spending over enacted levels. We've heard from Chairman Sanders um, in previous Congresses, he's regularly advocated for cutting defense discretionary spending by about 10%. And so that's something we know that he and other progressives really want to move forward with. But I think, you know, just kind of looking at the dynamics in a 50-50 Senate and a very narrow Democratic majority in the House I'm really kind of interested, you know, moving forward, how, uh, you know, Leader Schumer and Speaker Pelosi talk to their conferences about defense discretionary spending. I think it's going to be really, really challenging um, to get certain moderate Democrats on board, even with flat funding, and then to bring progressives on board too. You know, I think there's going to be some calls among Democrats um, from more purplish districts to increase defense spending um, and to go along with some of these, you know, concerns about various issues with China and Russia related to national security. Well, I think progressives are really going to kind of seize, want to want to seize on unified control of government to try to accomplish what they've seen for years as a core legislative goal of theirs. And so I think realistically, in the end, you kind of they kind of have to settle on flat funding for defense discretionary. 
But I think the path to getting there and the debate on that privately and in public uh, can is potentially going to be very tense. Okay. And we should say that the full budget request uh, we, we're, is still going to take a while. Um, the administration saying that won't come till later this spring. We think our best guess is probably in May sometime, but we're not sure. The administration is not putting a date on it. But we won't see all the full details until probably May, sometime this later this spring. Um, but we'll have enough to chew on with this glimpse of the budget that we get next week, even though Congress is going to be in recess, which is a bit unusual for a budget release. But um, that's how the administration is doing it. Uh, and, of course, also awaiting the details of the big infrastructure plan and tax increases that may come with it. So a lot on the plate for Congress uh, in, in the next few months. They're going to be awfully busy. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.